I'm Ray Barry, and this is the Audio Wave Cafe podcast. Coming up on this episode, my guest is songwriter and music producer Harry Pentony, who's recently moved to Coventry from Leicester. First, I'll bring you the latest music news and views, and I shine a spotlight on much lauded Radiohead album in Rainbows. I'll also be playing Waiting for a Feeling, written and recorded by Harry Pentony. Uh, I think we should move on. Well, I guess it had to happen. What with the rise in vinyl album sales, which grew to almost £120 million in 2022, that someone would end up in court for selling counterfeit albums. Apparently the guy raked in £1.5 million from his online venture. And he's not alone. Paola Mondali, head of the British Content Protection Unit, said that millions of fake products have been recovered in the last three years. If I buy an album, I'll get it from a charity shop. They're usually dirt cheap. Maybe they're all counterfeit. The new public image album titled End of World, which is due for release in August this year, is dedicated to John Lydon's wife Nora, who passed away recently from Alzheimer's. Earlier this year, the band released a track from the album titled Hawaii, which John described as a love letter to his wife. He said of the song, It is dedicated to everyone going through tough times on the journey of life, with the person they care about the most. Those are lovely words, Mr Lydon. Culture Club drummer John Moss, who was kicked out of the band in 2018 after 37 years, has been involved in a high court battle with the band. The trial was due to start to determine the money John Moss might be owed since the split. He was also suing the band over £200,000 in lost earnings from the 2018 Life Tour. Just days before the trial was due to begin, a court order was issued that stated that the band agreed a judgment should be made in favour of Moss, which amounted to £1.7 million. But lawyers' fees have substantially reduced what he might have expected. That's no surprise there, is it? Following the death of Paul Catamol, ex-singer with late 90s band S Club 7, I was fascinated to read that the hugely successful band, which sold more than 10 million albums worldwide, saw very little of their earnings in the five years they were together. Simon Fuller, their manager, had signed a recording contract with Polydor Records as S Club 7, and Paul Catamol stated that the band were mere affiliates in the deal. Fuller earned £75 million off the band in five years whereas each band member received £150,000 a year, which works out at £5,250,000 total. I believe the band had to work very hard for it, which at the time they are exhausted and stressed. It's a story of many artists and bands who imagine fame and fortune would come their way with a recording contract and a never-so-friendly manager. My guest on this episode is songwriter and music producer Harry Pentony, originally from Leicester, but now lives in Coventry. Thanks so much for joining me on this call. Thank you for having me, Roy. Appreciate it. Harry, my first guest from Leicester. What's the live music scene like over there? It's pretty good. It's it's very varied. Um, I've been in the music scene in Leicester since I was 11 years old, so I've seen a lot of really uh, great bands coming up. Easy Life that are super successful now doing big stuff. Um, there's loads of festivals in Leicester, loads of venues. I know they've opened a new venue recently. 
Yeah, you've got the O2 Academy. The scene's quite good, actually. I don't think it kind of gets the recognition it, it should do. There's a lot of good bands out there in Leicester. Yeah, excellent. What inspired you to become a musician? It was kind of an interesting one. From a young age, uh, my dad was uh, into bands like um, Kiss and all that hair rock kind of scene, you know, Van Halen, um, all, all of that kind of stuff. And uh, it used to make me watch Kiss playing of concerts and stuff, as, as well as like YouTube videos. I kind of just watched it from a young age with him uh, when I'd be at the house. And I kind of just I looked at the crowd and the energy of, of being in a live band. And I don't know, I just always, I thought it was probably the coolest job in the world, you know, to, to be able to do that. Um, and it, it made me want to pick up the guitar. Um, my parents bought me a little, like, Argos gu uh, guitar when I was a young kid. <laughs> Argos? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's got to be Argos, ain't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I had this um, this blue this blue electric guitar. Um Obviously couldn't play it at all. It must have been like six years old or something. But uh, that kind of uh, spanned from that, really. <laughs> was that an Argos custom guitar? It, it was an Argos custom guitar, yeah. <laughs> to your collection point, please, yeah. <laughs> we got to start somewhere. Mm. <laughs> You're also a multi-instrumentalist. I am, yeah. I started um, as a guitarist for uh, many years. So I was doing... Um, I was learning guitar at primary school, so I was playing in the orchestra doing classical guitar when I was young, um, around 10 years old. And then when I got to 11, 12 years old, I picked up the electric guitar. I started getting lessons with that um, by a chap called Mike Curran, American guy. That's how I, I progressed into more of the rock kind of style from there. And it was kind of a good time for me because when I hit uh, high school, uh, 11 12 years old that's how i actually met the um met a few guys that i still play music with now um and we're like childhood mates really and that's how that all stemmed from that's when i picked up the guitar originally with other instruments the drums kind of came a bit later uh i kind of liked bashing on the drums getting the anger out now and again a good friend of mine's um, a really good drummer we're, 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 i'm sure we'll talk about it later but in my original uh band our city fires we had a cover band. I filled in for his position because he didn't want to do it anymore. And then it, I kind of progressed into drumming more after that, really. Um, but yeah, mainly drums and uh, guitar. And then uh, vocals come a little bit later on with vocal lessons as well. Ah, you had vocal lessons. I had vocal lessons. My mum dropped me off without telling me. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like you're gonna go do vocal lessons. I always had the 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 will to do it, but I couldn't sing in key. Let's say that. But uh, you gotta you gotta start somewhere, ain't you? Absolutely. <laughs> As a music producer, do you produce just for yourself or also for other artists and bands? Uh, nowadays, mainly just myself, really. Um, so I, I produce all my own music. Uh, a couple of releases uh, that I've done in, in recent years is all by myself. Um, I also have a, a musician a friend of mine, uh, Kieran, who helps out with some recording. Uh, if I'm doing vocal recording, I tend to get someone else in for that uh, to work alongside me because it's a bit difficult doing the production and the vocal recording at the same time. You need somebody with a critical ear to kind of tell you to do better but yeah with, with um with the bands and stuff i used to produce quite a lot of bands especially when i was studying so i studied um audio recording technology 
at De Montfort University. Right. So uh, when I was around that time, I was recording a lot of bands, um, and also at my home studio at, at the parents' house. They were kind enough to let me do recording sessions there and that. <laughs> Um, so I, I did I did work with some artists um, quite a few years ago, but it, it's te- it tends to be more my own stuff really nowadays. Yeah, so you've got your own recording studio. I have. It's like a an office studio, I would say. I wouldn't call it quite a recording studio because I, I don't have the luxury of having uh, acoustic panels all, all 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 around the walls anymore and stuff like that. No, neither do I. But it is. It, it's enough to, to make music and it's, it's a nice room to be in. Um, at my mum and dad's, they were kind enough to, to let me have a space. We converted the conservatory. I mean, obviously that's not great because it's glass everywhere, right? Uh, but that's what I, I worked in for years and uh, that's how I actually made my, my first EP, uh, Sense of Clarity. That's how I wrote that. Right. So it wasn't expensive to set up then, buying the equipment? Oh, yeah, it was very expensive. Yeah, it was. Oh, I, yeah, I went through a stage where I tend, I, I think I had like two, two, three sets of speakers in, in the studio in a, in a small cube. I don't know why I did that. I, I bought, um, you've probably heard of them before, NS10s, the white cone Yamahas that you get. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. I had a pair of them until recently. That's cool. Yeah, but I was just like, I don't. I don't have a, a, a proper recording studio to use them in, so it kind of def- I'd rather give them to someone who's going to really use them in that kind of industry standard kind of uh, environment. You know, this the space that I've got is great for making music. This is this is what I use it for, and obviously being um, self a self producer, it's about um, the comfort of having it in your own home and being able to pick up an instrument and just be able to record it. Uh, you know, a decent level with with decent kit. I, I like investing in, in decent kit because then I think, you know, if you buy it once, you won't have to buy it again. But I always end up buying more stuff. So it, it just nev- it never it never ends as a musician. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Can you tell us something about your songwriting process? Yeah, so uh, the songwriting process, I tend to uh, write my music before I write lyrics. So I tend to... Um, I start with uh, a guitar rhythm or a a melody usually. Uh, It depends on the song because for some strange reason I start writing the song slightly different each time. It's not exactly like the same process. I might pick the guitar up first, find some chords that I like and then throw a a melody, like a, a lead guitar melody on top and then start building on the layers of that. I tend to do it the other way around. I tend to write a melody, like a catchy hook, and then I'll use the the chords behind it to kind of give that life and then bring a bring a beat in. Once I've got the beat in, I'll track bass and stuff like that because I like to get a feel for the music. So I tend to start with guitars. I bring the drums in, and then I tend to bring the bass in alongside that because once I've got a foundation, um, I tend to record better as well because obviously I'm... I'm in the groove of the music if I've got a solid backbeat and, and a chord sequence going. The lyrics and, and the vocals come actually at the very end for me. I know some people write them at the beginning, um, but um, I tend to write them afterwards. So I, what I tend to do is um, I'll go through the whole song. I'll loop it so I'm, till I'm bored to death with the song. <laughs> um, and then I'll, I'll start humming things, even if I'm in the car now and again and... 
I've, I've got a random idea I'll just start humming into my voice recordings so if I've got if I've got a hook I won't have the words but I'll have like a hook in my head um, so I'll have like a rough idea how I want the vocal to go and then I figure out what kind of song I want to write and usually when it comes to writing the songs I write quite personal songs do you write songs for your band, Our City Fires? I do. That's more of a collective um, writing process. We're actually very old school. We've tried many different ways of writing. Uh, we've tried demoing individually uh, and then uh, building the song through recording sessions. We've tried it that way. Um, that doesn't work for us. That's the way I do it for my own stuff because obviously being a, a solo musician in my own music and, and producing it myself I, I don't have the luxury of just getting a band in the room and just writing something um so that's the process i have to take but with the band we tend to throw ourselves in the rehearsal room we'll jam a random idea even if it's a random riff and we'll write a song in the rehearsal room um rough melodies again with the vocals no lyrics so we know exactly how the song's going to kind of develop. We record it on our phones and then we go and track it in the studio as a demo, send it to the vocalist and then the vocalist writes his lyrics on top. Does the band get many gigs? We, we have done. We, we went through a tough, uh, a tough stage uh, in recent years because before uh, COVID, we, we had four tours planned. We had HMV signings planned. We had Germany dates planned. We had Ireland dates planned in, later in the year. That all went out the window because we come out with the EP in the week a week later, COVID hit. And then, you know, fair fair play to uh, our bass player, a good friend of mine, Danny Ems. Uh, you know, he's he's got a fam a lovely family now. He, he wanted to to leave the band, which is fair enough, and, and we all respect. And it it was kind of hard to bring the band up, but this this year since then. Uh, we're starting to pick up again. We've got loads of new material um, on the way. Um, we've also got a tour planned in May. Right? Have you applied to festivals? We we have. Yeah, we we've done. Um, we've applied for quite a few festivals. We used to do a lot of stuff with like Camden Rocks. We used to play in Camden quite a lot. But yeah, I think this year is about building the band uh, back up, really, to to where we left it before lockdown um, and it's, it's been tough on all of us to be honest but you got to fight for these things ain't you if, it, if it's worth doing you're also a technical instructor in music and audio at de montford university can you tell me more about that yeah well actually um on the job front i've actually just got my i've just got a job back at de montford university uh, so i was working at um, south city college as a technician so that's in Birmingham, in Digbeth, near the coach station. Um, hence why I moved to Coventry, because uh, it's kind of halfway for me. It's halfway to my mum and dad's, it's halfway to work. Um, I actually just worked my last day there yesterday. Um, so it, a lot's actually changed uh, on the job front. Uh, I'm going back to De Montfort University at that technician, uh, technical instructor role. Um, in a couple of weeks' time, I'll be back there. So I've actually mo moved further away from work now, but, um, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, I, I mean, with, with the job, I, I love, um, I love working, uh, doing that kind of job because I get to work with aspiring, uh, musicians. I get to meet more musicians. 
I also get to work in creative fields, so I get that energy and buzz from from people studying um, and using uh, top quality recording facilities and stuff like that. It's 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 passion for me because obviously I just love being around music and musicians. So um, it's a great day job to have um, working alongside my music. Obviously, my music is the main priority and something while I'm young that I still want to really pursue. But um, you have to also pay the bills, right? And you have to, you, you have to, if you want to invest, invest your money into music, then you have to do what you got to do. So, um, yeah, it, it, you know, yeah, I'm very grateful, very grateful for, for working at De Montfort and for working at South City College. Right. So do you personally have any plans to go professional in the music industry, like producing or playing in a band? Yeah. So uh, with the, the solo music, that was about pushing my own um, limits, you know, with vocally and, and trying to progress as a musician, um, as well as working in the band. But yeah, I mean, music in general, that's what I've always wanted to do. I've, I've taken music very seriously. This isn't a hobby um, for me. Um, you know, unfortunately, with, you know, the cost of living and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, I don't have as much time as I'd like to 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 sit down and write most days like a lot of people do but you know I'm a self-funded unsigned artist so I, I have to get the income but yeah 100% that's what I've always wanted to do what plans do you have musically for the rest of 2023 I set myself a goal really of just being really active musically I want to get um plenty of releases out I, I, if I'm saying goal wise I said to myself at the start of the year I'd like to get four or five songs out myself this year so where can people hear your music spotify amazon music deezer Bandcamp, the whole works i've got soundcloud um i've got youtube as well um which i have got some music videos but yeah i, I tend to I, I tend to make my music accessible on every platform i can really it is looking to be good this year Fingers crossed. Well, it's a perfect moment to bring this interview to a close. Harry, thanks so much for being my guest. Thank you so much. Released in 2007, In Rainbows is the seventh album by English alternative rock band Radiohead. Their previous album, Being Hail to the Thief, released four years earlier. Before recording in Rainbows, the band were without a recording contract, having declined to renew their deal with EMI. The band bought in longtime producer Nigel Godrich after an unproductive six-week stretch with producer Mark Stent, who had said the songs weren't good enough. Songwriter and frontman Tom York said that Godrich gave the band, quote, a walloping kick up the arse and took them to Tottenham House, a dilapidated mansion in Wiltshire where the band recorded two songs, Body Snatchers and Jigsaw falling into place. Recording sessions also took place at Godrich's Hospital Studio in London, Harswell House in Somerset, and the band's own Candor Studio in Didcot, Oxfordshire. Over a period of 20 months, the band had written and recorded 16 tracks, though eventually deciding on 10 songs in the format of classic rock albums. Without a recording deal, the band decided they needed to be creative in delivering the album to the people that really mattered, the fans around the world, who would experience listening to their music at the same time. So it was decided that people could download the album for whatever they wished to pay, which also included the option of paying nothing. 
and leading up to release date, lyrics, photos and extracts of the songs appeared on Dead Airspace, the band's blog, as well as being able to download the album, is also available on vinyl and CD. All this created worldwide interest, as well as criticism from other musicians, with some saying that pay-what-you-want downloads are making everyone else look bad by not doing the same with their own album releases. Tom York answered his critics by saying that the major labels had not addressed the way artists communicate with their fans. Not only do they get in the way, but they also take the cash. Though disputed by the band, a high percentage of copies were downloaded for free. But also less than a year later, 1.7 million vinyl CD albums were sold. The album also has a place in Rolling Stone magazine's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, and it also won two Grammys for Best Alternative Music Album and Best Box Limited Edition Package. The band's last album came out in 2016. Tom York and lead guitarist Johnny Greenwood formed another band called The Smile and released their debut album in July 2022 and are also touring this summer. As for Radiohead, well, there is no Radiohead, but never say never. Coming up is a track written and recorded by Harry Pentony, Waiting for a Feeling. Forever haunted by the things that I want An urgency for myself tonight Never taking care of my thoughts Maybe I should dig a little more inside Thinking back to the things that I've done Wouldn't change it for my past life Is it time that I move on Bigger and better things in life I'm held by the gravity Not sure which way to sway The confusion takes the blame And prohibits my fate
That was Harry Penton here Waiting for a Feeling. Thanks so much, Harry, for being my guest. On the next episode, my guest will be Stephen Davies, probably better known as Dill, frontman for 80s Coventry band God's Toys. Er, uh, I think I've covered everything. Yeah, I have. I'm done. Till next time.